in Genesis chapter 4. We're actually going to look at one verse here. It's the only thing that we'll look at really. It'll be the center point of this message, uh, but we're going to look at a couple of thoughts and, and um, really two thoughts, I guess, this morning. And uh, John was going over in men's Sunday school this past month. He's, uh, he was going through Cain and Abel, and we were talking through um, Cain and Abel. And we come to this, this verse number 9. After Cain had killed Abel, um, and the Lord comes to Cain, verse number 9, Genesis 4, verse number 9, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, uh, we know that Cain knew where his brother was, dead in the field. We knew that God knew where Abel was, dead in the field. But we see that God came to Abel, or excuse me, to Cain, and he asked him the question here, where's your brother? And Cain's response was, am I my brother's keeper? Now, this morning I want to look at that question, am I my brother's keeper? I want to look at the attitude of it uh, and then the answer to it. And uh, we'll look at those things in regards to missions uh, today. And uh, we're going we're gonna to use a couple passages to look at it. Uh, but this will be our main center point here today. So let's pray and ask for the Lord's help and then we'll look into it. Lord, uh, thank you for your word and thank you for what it teaches us. Uh, Lord, I pray that today as we look at this, this question that was asked by Cain and a uh, defense mechanism and a, uh, uh, and a wrong attitude, uh, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, Lord, I pray that today we would see the importance of keeping up with our brothers. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help me as I present these thoughts and these verses, that I would do them clearly and correctly. And Lord, I, I, I sincerely ask, would you please grow our heart for missions? Would you help us to see the importance of it? Uh, Lord, would you help us to be burdened for it? Uh, so Lord, help us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Am I my brother's keeper? An interesting response from Cain, isn't it? Um, Cain had murdered his brother. He knew he'd murdered his brother. And uh, so when he gets asked, Cain, where's your brother? Uh, his response is very um, uh, brash, I would say, in his response to God. Now think through when God came into the garden with Adam and Eve after their sin. And you remember God is calling for Adam and Adam and Eve are hiding from God. But eventually, they come out and, and understood they had done wrong. Now, they didn't always answer the right way, right? There was the, well, God, the woman that you gave me, and the woman, well, the serpent, and all this kind of stuff, and the blame goes around, and different things like that. But I feel like there was a little bit more humbleness in Adam and Eve's answer to God uh, as they originally came out in front of God. Uh, there than what Cain did here. And so he had murdered his brother Abel with a stone in the field. And, uh, and, and his response to God is, I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? It's a very sarcastic, it is a very uh, bold, it is a very um, intense answer. Like, it's not my problem. I'm not responsible for that guy. Why are you asking me? Those kinds of responses. And really, there's two, uh, two things that are implied, or at least one of the two things are implied by that response. Am I my brother's keeper? Number one would be that Abel is old enough, and he doesn't need me babysitting him. Right? 
He's like, well, you're asking me where Abel is? Why are you asking me where Abel is? He's his own guy. He can do his own thing. He doesn't need me around. I'm not his babysitter. And the other uh, implication could be, well, God, he's your responsibility, not mine. I'm not the one that's responsible for keeping up with him. That's your job. And when I think about this response or this question, am I my brother's keeper? I started thinking through it and I thought, you know, these are common responses by Christians who don't really like supporting missionaries. They look at the idea of sending money to someone else to do ministry somewhere else. And sometimes, and I don't think our church has had this heart, but sometimes I've met many of people who've had this idea of, that's not my job. That's not my responsibility. And when it comes to missionaries, sometimes they go, well, I have a job, I have a family, and I support my home. So why don't they support their home? Why do I have to send them money? Why do I have to send them my money? They should earn their money themselves. I'm not my brother's keeper. The other response uh, could be that they go, well, God, it's your job to provide for them, not mine. Right? Well, God owns kind of a lot of Thousand Hills, right? He doesn't need my money, so it's God's responsibility. Why doesn't he just take care of them? <laughs> okay, now, if you've been around long enough uh, and you understand missions well enough and you understand the responsibility of the church well enough, you understand that God does provide for the missionaries and he does it through the giving and the obedience of the church. And when you look and go, well, you know, well, I've got a job and I have to support my family. Why don't they support their family? That's what they're trying to do, the missionaries. They're trying to support their family. They're trying to take care of their home. Some of them, most of them, cannot work a normal job in the place where they are. They cannot earn a keep. Now, in certain places, maybe they can grow a garden and and, and provide some food for their family or do some selling or some trading or whatever it may be. That's possible. Uh, and most of them in those situations do to some degree. Um, and then there's other places where if you're in America or different things, like, for instance, I don't consider myself a missionary, but when we started the church, from the get-go, we determined that I was going to come and get a job and work. We're going to raise some support, and we did raise a little bit of support in the early days, but, uh, but the intention was, is, well, I can get a job and I can work. Now, what I've liked to have gotten full support sure that would be great uh, but the reality was is I I knew that see if I can say this in a way that doesn't sound like I'm boasting um, uh, but I, I said if I'm getting support from churches that means that foreign missionaries aren't getting support someone's missing out and I didn't feel like it was necessary for us to gain we needed some support we needed some finances uh, for ministry needs especially uh, but I really felt like it was important for me just to come and get a job. And we prayed about it, and that's what God said to do, and that's what we did. Um, and so, but most missionaries can't. They can't just go get a job. They're in foreign countries, and they're in places where they cannot work and, and earn money. And honestly, the reality is, and I understand this more now than I ever did, but the ministry aspect suffers when you're working 9 to 5. There are things that, that miss out. There are things that don't get done. There are things that uh, don't get done as complete or as fully when you're working a, a normal job, whether it's 9 to 5 or 11 to 3 or whatever times are in between. Uh, the reality is, is that it takes time away from, and I've been doing some reading on this. It's interesting, the early church and how they uh, brought in deacons and all these kind of things for that purpose of helping the ministry. 
And, uh, and so missionaries, they just, most of them cannot do what you do and do what God has called them to do at the same time. And so God has given to the church the command to go forth into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, how do we do that? We've talked about this before. We'll probably talk about it again. But the idea is, is that if we're not physically going to go, then we have to physically send someone to go. And how do we do that? We do that financially, prayerfully, um, and, and through gifts and other things as well. But if you have the mindset where God says, give to missionaries, and you come into the church in Missions Month, and you hear it nonstop, give to missionaries, pray and ask the Lord what you should give, commit uh, to do it throughout the entire year, and your mindset is, why should I have to do that? I believe you have the same mindset that Cain had when God asked the question, where is Abel? And there's different reasons for that, and we're going to look at those this morning. So I asked the question this morning, in regards to supporting missionaries, am I my brother's keeper? Who's my brother, by the way? I think we understand this, but just to make sure we do. My brother in this case is my brother and my sister in Christ. So Christians who are uh, called by God to go out and serve in foreign fields or other places as well. We've got a couple American-based missionaries as well. But going out into the world to the purpose of sharing the gospel uh, to those around them, am I responsible to help them? Am I responsible to keep up with them? Am I responsible to care for them? The answer, in short, is yes. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Um, the, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Somebody got excited. Um, uh, but the answer is yes, I am responsible. So let's look first of all at the attitude behind the question, and then secondly we'll look at the answer to the question. So a question, uh, the attitude behind the question here, am I my brother's keeper? It's a question asked out of a sinful heart. Cain here was not asking this uh, looking for a legit answer from God. Uh, he was asking this out of a sinful heart. You know this, I mean, if you have children or if you were a child, so here we go, all of us, we understand this mindset of asking a question out of a sinful heart. Uh, mom and dad uh, say something and you ask a question in a mindset, in a heart that is not looking for a real answer back. It's trying to prove your point. Now, if you've got a, a, a good mom and a good dad, you only did this once, <laughs> and, then, and then you couldn't remember what happened after that. Um, but, uh, but you understand what I'm saying, right? A uh, question gets asked. It's not looking for a response. It's, it is just a question out of a wrong attitude and a wrong heart and this mindset of, of it's not my fault, it's not my responsibility. In this case, there were other things involved too. But we see that Cain here murdered his brother, there was guilt, I believe, in this. Uh, there was also fear in this response from Cain, where he knew he did something so horrendous and so horrible, and now he's got to figure out how to get out of it. How can he avoid getting in trouble for this? And so when God asked the question, where's Abel? He says, I'm not my brother's keeper. He asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? But it's implying, that's not my job. I'm not my brother's keeper. So when we go in regards of missionaries and we ask the question, God, why do I have to give my money? That's not my responsibility. Why do I got to take care of these people? I don't even know these people or I don't know them well. 
Why, why do I have to give my money to them? Am I responsible for them? That question is asked out of a sinful heart. Oftentimes it's asked out of selfishness. Right? It's, it's I want to take care of me. I've got enough problems in my life. I've got enough needs in my life. Why do I have to give to somebody else? Sometimes it's out of resentment or bitterness. We resent, it's funny, I guess it depends on your upbringing to some degree. But if you grew up like me, and some of you did, you're around this idea of missions giving for your whole life. And sometimes it's presented in different ways. I'm thankful for my pastors and how they presented it through the years. But sometimes it's presented in different ways, and sometimes you get this guilt trip thrown on you. Well, well, you're not a missionary, you're just an average Christian. Uh, you're a lay person, that's, that's the title, and you're not special. I mean, you don't preach, you don't teach, you don't go into Africa, you don't go to Asia, you don't go into South America, you don't go into Mexico, you don't give up everything and travel around and, and preach the gospel. What are you? You're only good for your money. Now, that's not true, okay? I'm not saying that as a statement. Uh, it's not true. But that's sometimes the way it's presented. Well, because you're so lazy or because you're so ungodly or because you're so unspiritual that you're not going to go to the mission field, you have to give up your money so they can go. And that's not true. As a matter of fact, there are lay people who are more spiritual than missionaries. Uh, more spiritual than pastors sometimes. There's, there's faithfulness in where God has placed you, and that's what you're supposed to do. It's the same with our giving, right? We're supposed to pray and obey whatever God tells us to do. We're supposed to do, and if we do it, God will bless it. The same is true in your career. The same is true in your life. And whatever God tells you to do, that's what you do. And if you're where God wants you to be, then, then by golly, that's where you're supposed to be. And anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Uh, but out of resentment and bitterness, sometimes we look at missionaries and we go, well, I'm not going to give to them because it, I'm, you know, I'm, not more, I'm not less spiritual than them. I'm not uh, less obedient than them. And, and yet here, that's the way that I'm trying to be made uh, feel that way. That's not the way to word that sentence. But uh, or I, get, I feel that way. And so we get resentful and bitterness. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Uh, of course, we know the scripture teaches us that whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. We cannot do whatsoever we do all to the glory of God and be murmuring at the same time. It doesn't work that way. And so we have this, this question of why do I have to support missionaries? Am I my brother's keeper? It, it's done with a sinful heart, a selfish heart, a resentful heart, a bitter heart, uh, or sometimes it's just plain covetousness. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Sometimes we don't want to give our money to missionaries because we covet our money. Uh, that fits obviously with selfishness as well, but uh, this idea of I've worked hard for it, I've saved it, I've, I've done what I was supposed to for it. I'm not going to give it away. It's mine. I'll tell you what, uh, God, when he teaches us about giving, it's always sacrificial. We're talking about tithing. Tithing and missions giving are two different things. Tithing is, is, is what we do. We give back to God. 
Um, and uh, and it's, it, there's a couple of different ways you can go about it, but uh, the, the example is given to us at 10%, and, and that's what most people do. And you go 10% of your, uh, your income goes back, back to God, and the reality is 100% of your in, income belongs to God. But, uh, but we give 10% back, and, and, or whatever percent you do, or whatever it is that you do. Um, and that's what we do on a regular basis. We give it every week, or every paycheck, or every month, however you do it. Um, but God teaches that is is a it's 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 giving what is due, uh, although more is due, but it's giving what is due back to God. Missions giving and the way that we do it, we do it through grace giving or faith promise giving. And the idea behind it is it's above and beyond our tithe. So our tithe goes to the work of honestly the work of the local church. It goes to the to, to God for the use in within the local church that God has put us a part of. And so we use it to pay the bills, and, and, and some of it does pay the pastor, and some of it does uh, take care of the additional needs that happen, gas for the mower and the flowers and the, uh, anything else that we do here, the supplies and all that kind of stuff, right? So all that, that's what it goes to, the work of the local church. The missions giving then goes outside of the local church, used through the local church, but to send people outside of the local church. And we do it through faith promise or through grace giving. It's the same thing. It's different titles, the same thing. And the idea behind it is, is that I'm going to ask God what he wants me to give to missionaries. And in most cases, God is going to respond to me an answer that makes me uncomfortable. Now, I'm going to say this, and you're going to start to get scared if you've never done this before. I promise it's not as scary as it sounds. But uh, the idea is, as God says, here's what I want you to give. And so what God tells me to give, I, by faith, promise to give that as God has commanded me to give. And I know, and, and this is the way I was raised, and if you weren't raised around this kind of missions giving, then maybe it's, maybe it's new to you. But I was always taught, and, and, and I have always seen God, provide for me to give what he's told me to give. And so many times our missions commitment, giving commitment, was outside of our budget range. It did not make sense to us. Now, we don't give $1,000 a month or anything like that, okay? But uh, we, there have been times, especially in the early days, where we're sitting there going, I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. And it was not an extravagant amount of money. But it was on top of the groceries, on top of the electric bill, on top of the water bill, on top of the gas, on top of all these things. Now I'm supposed to give this? I don't know how it's going to happen. But it's what God told us to give. And so by faith, we committed to give it. And guess what? God provided it. I can remember once, maybe twice in our life where it was time to cut the check for the missions and, and we really just didn't, I mean, that's all we had. And this was early in our marriage and, and you know, it was just kind of like, you know, this is it. Like, if nothing comes in, uh, you know, to us, then we've got four days until payday and I'm not sure how that's going to work. And we gave because God told us to give, and God provided. Now listen, if I covet my money, and God says give, and I look at the budget, and I look at the week, and I look at when paycheck's coming, and all that kind of stuff, and I go, I can't give. But God says to give. And I go, sorry God, it's my money, and I need it. Good things aren't going to come from that. 
As a matter of fact, more hurt. Just like uh, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all evil. While some coveted after it, they've erred from the faith, and they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I think you all know me well enough to know I don't hound you about money. It's not what I do. I don't think it's necessary. Uh, we'll preach a couple of messages here and there on it. But the reality is, is I have always said, what God tells you to do, that's what you do, right? Uh, we, don't, we don't do a whole lot of extra, we need money, offerings, those kinds of things. Uh, not to say we've never done them, but it's very rare. God comes in and he says, give this. If I'm going to covet my money, if I'm going to say, God, it's mine and I'm not going to give it, you're going to be pierced through with many sorrows. It's going to be hard if you hold on to what God has told you to give. I mean, there's a whole story in, in Scripture, a true story in Scripture, where there's a couple, and uh, they didn't give, and they lied about what they gave. They said, oh, yeah, we sold, and we gave everything. And God dropped them dead right there. Now, I'm not saying God's going to drop you dead where you stand. I'm not trying to scare you into it. But I want you to understand that if I don't give what God tells me to give, I'm going to have more sorrows. And if I give knowing that, man, if I give this, I don't know how I'm going to get through the rest of this week or whatever it is, however time frame it is. But if God tells me to give it, I'm going to give it. Why? Because I'm going to have more pain and more sorrow by not giving it than by giving it. And I'll tell you, when you obey God, you get to watch God take care of you. When you obey God, you get to watch God take care of you. And when I ask the question in regards to missions, and again, I, I feel like, generally speaking, our church has a good mindset on missions. We've made it a center point of the church. We've made it an important part of the church. Um, and, and we believe that's what God wants for us. But I, I, I've been around long enough. Uh, I've been around Christians my entire life. So I've been around long enough to know that there are people who will go, I'm not giving to missions. And they've got different reasons for it. But ultimately, it comes back to this heart where God says we're supposed to do this. And if we don't, we're disobeying God. And if we're disobeying God, what does that bring? Hardships. Well, preacher, you don't understand. If I give that money, then I'm not going to have it to do this thing that I need to do. Guess what? God can do that thing. If God tells you to give, you're supposed to give. If you're going to hold on to your money, love it, and desire it for yourself and not do what God tells you to do with it, it's going to cause you uh, many sorrows. And that's what the Bible teaches. Finances is one of those things as Christians, man, we just got to understand that it's not my money. Yes, I work for it. Yes, I've earned it. Yes, I've sweat for it. It's not my money. And just as with everything else in my life, I'm supposed to do with it what God wants me to do with it. And what will the result be? If I obey, the result will be positive. If I don't, the result will be negative. Every time. That question, am I my brother's keeper? Why should I take care of missionaries? They're not my responsibility. That's a question that's asked with a sinful heart. Now, I say that, and I, I do understand that there are times where people, especially either newer Christians or uh, people who were not around missions-giving churches in the past, it can be a, a hard understanding sometimes, and I get that. And it's not wrong to ask God why or to ask me why. Why are we doing this? That, done with the right attitude, I think asking questions is a good thing. 
Uh, so it's not wrong to ask questions. I don't want to ever present it as, a, well, you just do what I say. Not, you know, no, it's okay to ask questions, but what kind of attitude do you have in asking the question? The question, am I my brother's keeper, is not a legitimate question. It's a sinful heart, heart, sinful mind question. Uh, it's, it's not done with the reality of looking for an answer. So understand that, too. I just want to make sure I'm clear on that because I don't ever want to come across as don't ask questions. I think questions are good, uh, but done with the right attitude. So let's look at the answer to the question uh, today. And I want to look at a couple of verses that will help us understand this. Uh, Am I my brother's keeper? Philippians 2.4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Selfishness is not a Christian act. Our desire to take care of ourselves, and listen, we're responsible, right, in the sense that we're supposed to take care of our families, especially husbands. We're, it's, it's given to us by God. It's a role that we're given to take care of our homes, take care of our households, all those kinds of things. Um, but there should never be a time in my life where I'm unwilling to help other people. I'm supposed to take care of what God has put under, under me, but that does not uh, give me a way out of helping other people. And I have seen this more in my life probably than anything else within the Christian sphere of people who will use their family as a crutch uh, and as an excuse not to obey God. I will never tell you, and the Bible teaches very clearly that our family is so important. God uh, ordained it. God designed it. Our family is so important. It is the thing that comes after God himself is our family. We're supposed to take care of our family. But that does not give us the reason to not help other people. We're not supposed to look just on our own things, but also on the things of other uh, others. Excuse me. Um, go, go to Philippians. Let's look at a couple verses in Philippians. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, I just read for you verse 4. We can look at it again. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And again, the wording of that might be a little confusing, but it is. it means look not every man only on his own things, but also on the things of others. Uh, verse number 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he goes on to talk about after he says, don't just focus on your own things, but help others as well. And he goes into the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? It's humbleness. Uh, he was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He became as a servant. Uh, that's the mind of Christ. Everything about God is humble. The creator of the world, the, uh, 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 the ruler of the world, the um, organizer of the world, the savior of the world is humble. What have you done? <laughs> right? Have you created the world? No. So why are you so proud? Why do you refuse to lower yourself to actually help other people? I mean, that's what Christ did, is it not? He came to earth to be born and be raised in an average home. Some, some would even say below average, poor home. 
but in an average, average home. And he was raised there in that family. He had brothers and he had sisters. He had an earthly mother and father. And he had to deal with people just like we do. And then he goes, but he, listen, why did he come to earth? Well, he came to earth to die. Well, why did he come to earth to die? Because I needed him to. Who am I compared to God? I'm nobody. But God humbled himself and became a servant. And he was obedient to the death of the cross for me. He didn't have to love me. He didn't have to die for me in the sense I needed him to die for me. But he didn't have to love me enough to die for me. But he did. The reality is as we look at the mind of Christ and then when we turn it to missionaries and we look at the need and the help that they need and the support that they need, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Humble yourself. Be a servant. God's not asking you to die on the cross. But he's asking you to be obedient, just as he was obedient. Uh, look in 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to ask a question, and I'm looking for a response. All right, just giving you a heads up. I'm looking for someone to audibly answer me when I ask this question. Who was 1 John written to? Christians. Thank you. Now that we all know the answer, I'm going to ask it one more time, just to make sure you're awake, okay? Who was 1 John written to? Okay, good. 75% of us are there. That's good. I'm going to ask you, I know this is childish and it's annoying. I'm going to ask it one more time. Who was 1 John written to? Good. All right. Very good. Uh, how do we know that? Well, because it tells us and because we've, we went through 1 John. We studied all the way through it. Okay. 1 John was written to Christians. 1 John 3, verse 17. The Bible says, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now it says in verse 17 that he seeth his brother have need. All right, who is First John written to? Christians. Uh, so who is his brother? Christians. Now you can argue that brother is sometimes used as similar to the word neighbor in Scripture. Uh, and I think there are places of that as well. But in 1 John, it's written to Christians, and it's written about Christians. And so when he comes to verse 17, he says that if you have this world's good, what is that? It's materials, it's finances, it's food, it's clothing, it's those sorts of things. And he says, and you see that your brother has need, but you shut up your bowels of compassion from him. Uh, the, the Bible uses the word bowels way more than I expected to. Uh, but the bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Meaning, that's a rhetorical question, it doesn't. There's, the love of God is not in him if he sees his brother has need and he doesn't help. And then he says in verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue but in deed and in truth. There's another passage in Scripture. I didn't want to turn there today, but uh, it tells us, you know, if the guy comes and he knocks on the door and he needs bread and you say, hey, man, I'm praying for you. Good luck. And I got bread sitting in the kitchen. But I don't give it to him. No, I just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Good luck. 
What good did I do them? Now listen, again, I don't know your full comprehension of missionaries and how you feel about them, and if you like them or if you don't like them. If you're like that lady that told me, if a missionary's there, I ain't coming. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what your mindset is completely on this, but I'm telling you, if our brother has need and we can help, we're supposed to help. Now, I tell a lot of missionaries, I get calls on a regular basis from missionaries. I get emails on a regular basis from missionaries. Hey, Pastor, um, I'm this person going to this country and would love to come by your church and present our ministry. And, uh, and, and most of them I say no to, and I tell them, you know, you can email your information. And, I, and, this, I, and this is honest. I, I get their information. I put it all in a file. And so when I'm ready to schedule missionaries, I open up the file. I read through them. I pray through it, and I invite the people that I feel like we're supposed to invite. So I'll tell them this. And then when I'm done, I try, and I don't do this every time I need to, uh, but I try to say, hey, just so you know, though, I know this is not easy. I know what you're doing is not easy. I know what you're trying to do is such a good work. I'm praying for you. I, I'll pray for you right now, and I'll continue to pray for you along the way. And uh, because, listen, going around asking people for money is not fun. Uh, most people absolutely hate it. <laughs> And, uh, and missionaries, they oftentimes are traveling between two and three years in America asking for money before they can even get to their field. And many of them, once they get to the field, have to do language. Even though they've done some language on their own, they've got to learn the dialect and the, the language of the people that they're trying to reach and, and all these other things. So you're talking about a solid five years where they're not even doing what they desperately want to do because they have to do all these other things raising the money, learning the language. It takes a solid time to do these things. So when we are able, we should. We should help. Now, I tell every missionary that calls, hey, if you're in the area and you want to come into a service, by all means, I will let you present your ministry. But I'm telling you right now, we cannot add you on as a new missionary. We're not going to be able to give you money. We're not going to be able to give you an offering because we haven't budgeted for that. Uh, you know, so if you're, if you're in the service, I'll let you present. Uh, but I can't get you a hotel room, all those kinds of things. And so we have the specific times of the year that we schedule in people and we get them a hotel room and uh, they come over to our house on Saturday night and we get to talk to them and have dinner with them and fellowship with them, get to know them a little bit. And then they come into the church on Sunday and they're with us all day on Sunday and we get a chance to, to, to know them a little bit. I mean, it's just a little bit, but we get a chance to know them a little bit. And I really feel like having it set up that way gives us an opportunity to break down some barriers. Because when you're traveling asking for money, you're, you're trying to put on your best, your best front, right? And, and you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But sometimes you get caught in this, you know, if they have kids, man, they're so nervous. The kids are going to do anything wrong. And, I mean, they're so quick. Whenever we're at our house on Saturday nights, I mean, the kid doesn't like something that my wife cooked. And you can just see it on the mom's face, this fear of please don't say anything, please don't say anything, please don't say anything. And this poor little kid is just trying to obey their mom and eat this food, but that they don't like it. And they're just sitting there, and you can just see this, this, this nonverbal argument between mom and child, eat the food, and, uh, but mom, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> eat the food, you know, all this kind of argument that you've had with your children at some point in your life as well. Uh, but these people are trying to not make any mistakes, and so we try to have them over on Saturday night to break down that, to say, hey, you're just people. 
right? Your kids are kids. They're going to do things that are embarrassing sometimes. They're going to do things. My goodness, our, we had a kid bite the assistant pastor's child in a nursery one time when we were trying to raise money. Um, and, you know, they had to come out and get Katie and, hey, your son just bit uh, Camden. He just bit, bit a kid in the nursery. And, you know, and I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. Now I knew the pastor and I knew the church well and, and whatever. But, uh, and honestly, the, the kid deserved it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's embarrassing, right? And you're sitting there going, oh, my goodness, I need, I need this church. I need this church to love me. I need this church to see the need that we have. I need this church to understand the burden that we have for these people. And we're just trying to raise money so we can get over there and actually serve these people. And now i got this kid who's crying or who's whatever, right? And they're nervous about it and they're scared about it. So we try to break down those walls and help them understand, hey, it's okay. It's okay to be normal. It's okay to be human. It's all right. Uh, okay. The reality is, though, is we have these people that come through and they're people that we can help. But if we, we shut up our bowels of compassion, if we cut, cut them out, if we say, I'm not going to care about these people, man, we do them no good. There are times where all we can do, and I say that it sounds negative, all we can do is pray for them. Listen, prayer is powerful, and it's good, and we need to pray for people. And when we can do nothing else for them, we ought to be praying for them. But there are so many times where we can do more than that. And I've talked with a lot of missionaries, and I've asked them, listen, you know, we started, when we started supporting missionaries, I think it was at less than $50. I feel like I don't, I don't know if you remember or not. Uh, the first time we started supporting missionaries, it wasn't that much. It may have been $50 a month. I want to say it was less than that, $35, $35 a month. Now, listen, if someone said, hey, I'm going to send you $35 a month, most of us, we would take it, but we would think it's $35. I mean, that's really nothing, right? You're talking about a family who's trying to get over to a foreign field, and they've got plane tickets, and they've got uh, things to ship, and they've got families to feed, and all these sorts of things, and ministries to do, uh, right? In order to have a church, you need a place to meet. You need somewhere for people to sit. Can you sit on the ground? Sure, but is that what you want for them? No. So you need a place to sit. Sometimes you need audio equipment. Sometimes uh, you need Bibles. You need all these other things, right? What does $35 a month do to help a missionary? Let me tell you what it does, exactly what God wants it to do. And listen, I, I, I remember calling those missionaries. I was so excited. I was so excited we were able to support missionaries. We were four or five months into our church, and we were, had 12 or 11 people, and that was counting the kids. And we took on three missionaries at $35 apiece. And I called them. I was ecstatic. Hey, good news. Our church voted. We're going to support you on a monthly basis. And they were excited too. And then I said, I'm sorry it's not much. And they all said the same thing, right? Sorry it's not much, $35 a month. And our prayer is that we'll be able to raise that as we go on. But that's what we're going to start at. And they all said the same thing. Pastor, thank you so much. It, it'll, it, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to help. Anything helps. That's what they all say. I lived it. And I'll tell you the same thing. Anything helps. Now, as a guy who grew up in churches and hearing about missionaries and family supporting missionaries and all that kind of stuff, to me, 35 was embarrassing uh, in some way. But again, I was so excited that we were able to do something. And then the next year, we bumped them up a little bit. And, and again and again and again, and now we've got them all at the same, the same amount. 
But we saw people who needed help, and our church was able to help. And although some people look at $35 a month, I've talked with missionaries who we don't support, who are like, don't even bother sending that. If it's not at least this amount, don't even bother. I look at that person, I go, you're going to fail. I know that's not nice, but that's the reality of it. It's like a preacher saying, well, I'm only going to preach in a church if it has this many people. You're going to fail. If you see someone in need, a brother in need, and you have the means to help them, then help them. Not just in word and tongue. Not just, I'm praying for you. Listen, I say that and it makes it sound like prayer is bad. Again, I don't mean it that way. Prayer is great. We need to pray for people. We need to pray for the people we support. But if I have the means to do more than just, I'm going to pray for you, then we need to do more than that. And when we pray and ask God, what do you want me to give? Go in there with a heart of understanding. God, if I can help, I want to help. God, if I have the means to help, I want to help. What do you want me to give? I want us to go to one more passage. Go to Matthew chapter 25. And this will be it today. Matthew 25. Uh, Go down to verse 31. Listen, I've been around the Bible my entire life. And I think now more than ever, I'm reading passages that just whack, slap me in the face. I don't know if you're that way. I don't know if that happens to you. But I'm reading passages. I'm going, my goodness, I've heard this. I've known this my entire life. But it just hit something different. Uh, Listen to this, this, this conversation, all right? Matthew 25, verse 31. Uh, let me see, okay, yeah. Uh, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be uh, gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on, the, on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Uh, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an uh, uh, I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in, naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee an hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. God says, there's going to be a division. And on the right hand, there's going to be the people that when they saw me hungry, they gave me something to eat. And when they saw me thirsty, they gave me something to drink. And they saw me wandering as a stranger, they brought me in. And when they saw me in prison, they visited me. When they saw me sick, they helped take care of me. When they saw me naked, they gave me clothing. And they're going to ask, wait a second, I don't ever remember that happening. I'm paraphrasing. I don't ever remember that happening. When in the world did we ever see you thirsty? 
When do we ever see you hungry? When do we ever see you naked? When do we ever see you as a stranger or in prison or sick? We never saw that. When, when did that happen? And he says, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, it's as though you did it to me. Now, I don't mean to call missionaries the least. But when they have a need and we take care of it, God is pleased. Serving God's people is serving God. Taking care of God's people is taking care of God. God desires for us to do so. I have a desire. I have a desire that we can pick up at least one more missionary. That means that we have to have committed $800 a month. I don't know what you're going to give, and I won't know what you give. I'll know what everyone as a, as a whole commits, but we don't put our names on these things. These are between you and God. We just have to know the numbers so we can budget for it. That's my desire. My goodness, I'd love to add 10 more missionaries if we could. I don't anticipate this, that this year, but that'd be great if we could. I promise we could find 10 worthy. All I'm asking you to do is to take care of God's people. See people that have needs that we can help. Ask God how he wants you to help. And just obey God. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. Because God promises you. You'll be taken care of. Don't, don't cheap out on God. If God says give $5, give $5. If God says give $15, give $15. If God says give $50, give $50. If God says give $100, give $100. If God says give... Whatever amount you give, what God tells you to give, I promise you, you it will be worth it. I promise you, uh, the Lord will still be your shepherd and you shall not want. I promise you, God will care for you and provide for you. Just do what God tells you to do. Because there's more than just on this earth re reward, there's reward in heaven. He'll eternally uh, reward you to obey God. There's more in Scripture about this idea, but the two main things when we look at the idea of, am I my brother's keeper? Number one is our heart. Why do we ask the question? What's our heart behind it? And number two is, am I willing to help? That's the two main points here. The attitude in which I ask the question, and am I willing to obey? Am I willing to help those who have needs? Listen, there are people right around you. There are people in this church that have needs. There are people in this community that have needs. I get it. And I'm not saying we should ignore them. But our purpose as Christians is to get the gospel to all the world. And we have to do it here locally. We need to help others do it globally. And we're going to do it if we just obey and do what God tells us to do. So I ask you, are you your brother's keeper? And I tell you, the answer is yes. So let's do our part to help those that need it. Lord, I pray for your help. I pray for your help this month. 
I pray that you would help us to commit to do what you want us to do. Lord, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts to be willing to listen to you. Lord, may we be seeking you, asking you. Lord, may we be obedient. I pray that you would heal us today if we have a heart of resentment, a heart of bitterness, a heart of selfishness, a heart of covetousness. Lord, would you break us of that and help us to see the importance of the mission work going on around the world. And Lord, I pray that we'd be simply obedient to do what you'd have us to do. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand with